Welcome to ATRA, Voices from the Field. This sustainable agriculture podcast is presented by the National Center for Appropriate Technology with support from USDA Rural Business Cooperative. Hi, my name is Tammy Howard, and I'm an agriculture specialist with the National Center for Appropriate Technology. And today I have Betsy Miller from the Montana Department of Agriculture. She's a state food safety coordinator. Hi, Betsy. Welcome. Could you tell us a bit about yourself and um, your work with the Montana Department of Agriculture? Yeah, thank you for having me on this morning. So again, my name is Betsy Miller, and I'm the food safety coordinator for the Montana Department of Agriculture. And I started a little over six months ago working on um, some of the new food safety regulation that is coming out. Uh, So the Department of Agriculture received a grant from the FDA to help farmers understand some of the new federal guidelines coming out and make sense of what that means. And so we're able to provide some technical assistance and education and training in the next few years. So that's primarily what I'll be working on. Great. Um, could you, you described the food safety legislation. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about that and how it came about? Sure. So the Food Safety Modernization Act, uh, most people shorten it to FISMA, so that's what I'll call it for the rest of the the podcast. Um, It's a revamp of the food safety laws and regulation from the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA. And this includes everything from processed food for both people and animals to foreign food suppliers to sanitary transportation Everything is kind of being re-examined right now um, just to update some of the regulation to align it with current research and some of the changes that we've seen with foodborne illness outbreaks. Um, It's all kind of just being re-examined right now. And this was actually signed into law back in 2011, but most of these compliance dates are just um, being implemented now. So that's kind of why we're hearing more and more about it currently. And there are seven parts to FISMA, but we're just going to focus on the produce rule for this podcast. We could easily go into the weeds talking about all of the other details. Uh, So we'll just focus on produce today. And the produce rule aims to prevent microbial contamination of fruits and vegetables. So the FDA kind of looked at all of the different risks and hazards associated with fresh fruits and vegetables and It's mostly the pathogens and microbial risks that are um, most important to public health. So that's what what they focused on. And it was also a result of some major foodborne illness outbreaks that have been linked to produce. And these resulted in a lot of hospitalizations and serious illnesses and even some deaths as a result of of these outbreaks. And a couple of, of examples Um, Back in 2006, there was an E. coli outbreak associated with fresh spinach, and it was kind of a a breaking point for the industry because they didn't know how to trace it back. And so for a while, they were just telling consumers not to eat fresh spinach, and we kind of saw that industry um, take a nosedive for a while. Um, There's another one where there was a cantaloupe outbreak associated with listeria, And that was kind of um, scary because listeria had never been associated with a fresh produce commodity. Um, And it was was tied back to a packing shed, and so it it wasn't even really um, associated with 
um, the growing conditions. It was more about uh, the packing shed and the design of that facility. Um, so again, based on information from some of these outbreaks and current research, the FDA wrote this produce safety rule as part of the Food Safety Modernization Act, or FSMA. And again, it's designed to create minimum standards for the safe growing, harvesting, packing, and holding of produce. And could you explain what FSMA, um, or what it means to producers in general, and, and more specifically in Montana then? Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's designed to kind of level the playing field. Um, you know, back when some of these outbreaks were, were starting, there was a realization that you know, farms wanted to do the right thing, but there just wasn't a lot of guidance on how exactly you do that. And so, again, these, these minimum standards are kind of designed to um, create some consistency throughout the industry, throughout the nation, and um, even foods that are imported from other countries. And here in Montana, not everyone is going to be directly affected, or we say covered. If you're covered by FSMA, that means you're affected by the, the regulations. Uh, because there are a lot of exemptions, just like any federal rule. Uh, so some farmers may not be affected at all, and others um, may have to start complying in the next couple of years. And they might start hearing from large buyers, especially the large grocery stores, that they'll need to be FSMA compliant or some kind of phrasing. And so really we want to just get the word out there so that farmers can, can kind of understand um, what the exemptions mean so that they can have some of these conversations with their buyers. And we want to also just kind of reiterate that buyers can still request food safety assurances or uh, food safety plans from farmers, even if your farmer is exempt. It's kind of uh, the buyers who are, who are driving this. Um, and so I just want to take a couple minutes to talk about the exemptions because that's kind of the, the first piece since so many farms in Montana will be exempt. So the, the produce rule, it doesn't apply to uh, very small farms. So if you have average annual produce sales that are less than $25,000 a year, you're fully exempt. So the produce rule does not apply to you. Of course, you're, you're welcome to comply with it if you think that'll help you with, with buyers, but um, you are not required to comply with it. Additionally, there are certain commodities that if they are rarely eaten raw, they are fully exempt. So this would include potatoes, pumpkins, winter squash, anything that's um, usually cooked or processed in a way that kills any pathogens, those are fully exempt. And lastly, if, if all of your produce is going to be commercially processed, so if you're making jams or salsa or canned tomatoes or anything that goes through a processing step, you will also be exempt. You'll just need to keep some documentation um, assuring that the process that you're using is a method that's going to kill those pathogens on the produce. So those are some of the full exemptions for farms. Great, and I've also heard um, the term qualified exempt. Now, what, is, what does that mean? Right, so qualified exempt is another way that farms may be unaffected by FSMA, and it's a little bit confusing to calculate. So we, we're encouraging folks to either call our office or um, find some resources online because 
there are lots of people who can help you kind of figure it out because it is a little bit confusing. And so there are three criteria that need to be met in order for a farm to be qualified exempt. So first you want to consider all of your annual food sales. And so this includes produce and you know, grain, livestock, dairy, any value-added foods that you have on your farm. Um, these are all included in this amount. And if those average annual food sales are less than 500,000, and a majority of those sales are direct to a consumer, so either you're selling to a restaurant or a farmer's market or a CSA, and those consumers are either within Montana or within 275 miles of the farm, then a farm is qualified exempt. And so a qualified exempt farm is largely unaffected by the produce rule, but there is a, a labeling and documentation requirement. So first, you want to make sure that you're doing kind of an annual review just to keep on file your eligibility for this qualified exemption. And then you also need to ensure that either at the point of sale or through an invoice, you're including the full name and address of your farm. So this could be either a label on a box that you're sending out through the CSA or um, a label on an invoice or a sign that you have at your farmer's market booth just something visible that shows the farm name and full address. And so that takes um, most of the other pieces of FSMA kind of out of the picture. Um, again, if, if you want to comply with the rest of, of FSMA, you're welcome to, but um, if you are qualified exempt, you don't have to do that. And so I, I just want to run through a couple of examples because, because again, it's, it's a little bit confusing. Um, so if, for yeah, example, that would be we great. Have, yeah. Um, so if, for example, we have Farm A, and Farm A is selling twenty thousand dollars in annual produce, and this is you know lettuce and kind of the traditional produce, they would be fully exempt. So they do not have to comply with any of the the FSMA regulations because they are less than that twenty-five thousand dollar mark. So again, they're fully exempt. They don't have to worry about it. Um, again, we still encourage them to practice uh, food safety um, policies and procedures, but they're not required to. So then if we look at Farm B, and let's say they have $35,000 in annual produce sales, and approximately 30% of those sales are going through a wholesale distributor, about 60% are going um, through a farmer's market that they have at, at a local um, local community, and about 10% come from a CSA. So that farm would be qualified exempt because they are selling more than $25,000 of produce, but they have less than 500000 And also a majority of those sales are going to those uh, qualified end users, those folks who are um, within the state or within 275 miles of the farm and they're also direct to consumer. So those farmers market and CSA folks are direct to consumer. Um, Farm C, another example, let's say they have $35,000 in annual produce sales, similar to the other farm, but they also have about $500,000 worth of barley that they sell each year. So all the produce is sold at local farmers markets, 
um, but the barley is, is going through a local elevator. So Farm C would actually be fully covered by FSMA because, again, they have more than $500,000 in total food sales. So even though the produce is going to uh, local folks and it's all uh, qualified end users, because that farm has more than $500,000 of total food sales, they would be fully covered by the produce rule. So again, there's lots of little um, tricks and things to, to work through. So again, if folks have any questions, they're welcome to contact us anytime. Could you um, just briefly describe the reasoning behind um, uh, the, the total, the gross sales of all the different enterprises on the farm and, and why, that, um, why that limit was chosen? Do you know that in, kind of information? Yeah, and it, it goes back to other parts of um, the FDA's uh, Food and Drug Cosmetic Act. So this is actually kind of a, a value that's included in other exemptions throughout uh, some of the FDA's food laws and regulations. And so that's kind of where that $500,000 mark came in. Um, the qualified exemption piece is also designed to um, not encourage folks, but to recognize that local sales are less likely to contain contaminated produce, right? So the less people touching the produce, if you're not getting your lettuce from California where it's packaged and then sent through a truck and crossing straight line, state lines, it's more likely to have hands touching it, more likely to get pathogens than produce that is just picked from a field and then sold at a local farmer's market. It's, it's less likely to become contaminated in that process. So that's kind of where that, that local um, food piece comes in through the qualified exemption. Hmm. Okay, um, so even if a, a produce, if even if a producer is exempt or qualified exempt, um, what can they do to ensure that they're providing a safe product to um, their customers? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, just being more aware of food safety practices on your farm is going to help you reduce your risk of contaminating produce. I mean, no one wants to make a consumer sick, but sometimes if, if you don't know what to do, it's hard to know how to reduce your, um, reduce your risks. So I like to encourage people to think about the five W's when it comes to kind of the primary sources of contamination. Uh, so the first W is workers. Do you have a food safety culture? You know, is, is there an environment of food safety where you're, everyone is on board with it? It's not just one person who's kind of in charge of food safety, it's everyone on board um, do employees receive training and do they understand how to minimize, minimize risk? You know, do you do an annual training with some of your folks coming in who are helping with harvest during that, that rush? And do you have regular trainings that kind of help people remember what to do? Uh, second W is work equipment. So tools, harvest bins, pack sheds. Do you have a regular schedule for cleaning and sanitizing them? Uh, as I mentioned, there have been a couple of outbreaks associated with packing sheds, and so that's one area where you might not think about having you know, listeria or E. coli, but 
if equipment and, and things in your packing shed aren't clean and sanitized, it could possibly pass contamination onto uh, produce. A uh, third W is water. There, there's a little bit of re-examination, I guess, of the water piece on the produce safety rule. So right now the FDA is kind of looking at what exactly these standards are and are they reasonable because we know that a lot of farms use surface water and the levels of you know, E. coli and um, pathogens in surface water can vary drastically throughout the year. So they're kind of re-examining that right now. But we still encourage people to have regular testing of the water that they use for produce, both for irrigation and also for post-harvest. Especially with the post-harvest water, we want to make sure that that water um, is tested regularly and has no traces of E. coli. E. coli is kind of the uh, signature pathogen that you're testing for when you're looking at water. and. Um, want to make sure that there's no E. coli in that post-harvest water. And if you're using surface water and you're, you're thinking that um, you're a little uncomfortable with the levels that you're getting on some of the tests, it might be worthwhile to invest in a drip line irrigation because it's not going to be touching the produce for, for most commodities. You know, carrots and potatoes and things are a little bit different. But for the most part, it's not going to be touching the, the actual produce, and so it's a little bit safer. Um, the fourth W is waste. So if you're using raw manure or compost in your production, that can be a source of contamination if it's not processed adequately or if it's applied too close to harvest. So you just want to make sure that you know where that manure is coming from or where your compost is coming from and you're using appropriate processes to um, make sure that that's safe. And then the last W is wildlife. Uh, of course, we know it's impossible to eliminate birds and, and deer for, from the fields, even though wouldn't that be nice. Um, <laughs> is if you have a monitoring plan in place for animals, it can really help you kind of understand the risks. So if you're seeing deer or birds out in one particular area of your field every day, you might want to just go out and market and look for you know, bird poop on the cantaloupe and just making sure that any of that contaminated produce doesn't go to market and um, it's not harvested. So just kind of keeping those, those five W's in mind is a, is a great start. Another thing that we encourage folks to do is to develop a food safety plan for your farm. And sometimes just going through the process of making the plan can really help you understand where the, the highest risks are. And then having those plans in place will keep you consistent throughout the season and will provide a resource for all of your employees to uh, refer to and, and keep everyone kind of on the same page. And there are lots of great templates and resources, including some, some NCAT videos that were just released uh, to help you out. So don't feel like you have to start from scratch. And uh, lastly, you might want to consider the GAP program, Good Agricultural Practices. This is a voluntary program. Um, it's kind of through the USDA, but there are lots of variations of it. So if you're hoping to expand into bigger markets or uh, maybe looking at some, some large grocery store buyers, or even if you just want to start implementing some more food safety practices on your farm, this is a great way to, to get started into that. 
And we have lots of information on our department website, website as long as um, you're looking for, for stuff. And there's also a lot of great resources um, online if you just want to Google GAP. Um, there's a lot, of, a lot of great options. And I think most states have, um, uh, with the new food, FISMA coming out and the implementation of FISMA, a lot of states have started implementing GAP training programs, um, including Montana. Um, well, are there any other resources that uh, you mentioned a ton of resources, Betsy? Is there any other res final resources or wrap-up um, statements you want to make? Sure. Uh, we we've been trying to build a web page. It's www.foodsafety.mt.gov, and folks can go there to learn a little bit more about FISMA and the produce safety rule if they really want to dig into it. There are some links to, to videos and, and templates, and we have an online tool for the exemptions. And so if folks want to just go online and click through um, a little five-minute thing online, they can kind of figure out if they'll be exempt or not. Uh, so that's a great little resource. And we're also planning some trainings this fall and next spring. Uh, so be on the lookout for Purdue Safety Alliance grower trainings. So we're hoping to do a couple this fall and then a few more next spring. And I'm also available um, if folks want to contact me directly. My, my phone number is 406-444-0131, or they can email foodsafety at mt.gov if they have any specific questions for me. Well, thanks for joining us today, Betsy. And also be sure to t check out ATRA's uh, food safety webpage. That, that's where we have a lot of the videos that um, Betsy mentioned. They're farm-based videos and farm-based solutions to, to different food safety issues and um, a lot of other resources like um, GAP uh, food safety plan templates and such. So um, thanks a lot for joining us, and um, we'll, <coughs> we'll talk to you next time. Great. Thanks for having me. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. You can find other episodes of ATRA, Voices from the Field, along with ATRA's other sustainable agriculture resources at www.atra.ncat.org. That's www.attra.ncat.org.